Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the panel discussion from our May UX event, where you'll hear from Kevin Ernst, Trevor Dow, Raquel Isel, Alex Klein, and Trey Wallace. This will be a question and answer discussion about the hows and whys of work-life balance. A big thanks to Dev Mountain for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack, where there's always lots of great conversation happening about UX, product management, and more. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So now, let's hear the panel discussion on work-life balance. I'm just going to hand it over here and we'll let Alex start. <laughs> All right. Hi, um, I'm Alex. Um, I am a product designer at Pluralsight. Uh, I work on curriculum products there. Um, I've been doing product design for probably eh, three-ish years now. Before I did product design, I was um, a marketing communications brand designer. So in total, I've been designing for about 10 years, um, which is a long, well, maybe not as long as some of these guys, but feels like a really long time. Ageism. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I'm excited to be here and to talk about work-life balance because I also feel very passionate about it. I've I've worked at a lot of different types of companies and have experienced different types of work-life balance and the non-existing types of balance. I'm Trey Wallace. Um, I've been doing product management for about just under 20 years. Um, I've sort of built teams uh, in both big companies and startups, so I think that um, I have a lot of sort of experience with different sizes of companies. Um, I would say that my angle on this would be from a management perspective. Um, I've been managing people for over 15 years, and I think there's a big part of the ability to have a good work-life balance probably comes from your direct manager, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. My name is Trevor Dow. Um, I've been in the design and development community for the last 12 to 13 years. Um, throughout that time, I've had opportunities to work for in digital agencies, uh, working for Fortune 500 medical device companies, uh, universities. Um, right now, I'm currently working for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints as their lead mobile UX designer. Um, and I am also the founder and creator of uh, commoncreatives.com which is a social working network for designers and developers. Um, And uh, I love the industry, I love it's awesome, it's great opportunities, um, but there are things in there that can get you uh, unbalanced for sure. And uh, I've had that experience in my life and so when when Mike reached out to me uh, asking if I'd be a part of this, I wanted to share hopefully some of the experiences that I've had in there and uh, what I've learned along the way and hopefully you can have uh, avoid some of the pitfalls that, that I've experienced in it. Hi, my name is Raquel Isley, and I started off in industrial design and switched over to user experience design um, like three and a half years ago. Um, so, graduated like oh, five and a half years ago. Um, and I have loved user experience design. Um, work-life balance, I think we all were talking about a little bit before this. And so we'll have some kind of different perspectives. So this will be good. Great. Thank you, guys. So myself, Kevin Ernst, um, I lead product design um, for um, Bose Professional. I can't even say Bose. Jeez. Um, So um, I look out there. I can see our um, L1s in the back. Um, Dev Mountain, we're not sponsoring anybody. They're just here and great speakers. Um, but we're going to talk about work-life balance today, and uh, I'd just like to see a raise of hands of how many designers do we have in the um, crowd? Okay. Product management? We forgive you. <laughs> and Dev? Okay. How many people are still going to school here in Dev Mountain? All right. All right. Uh, so something uh, Trey had uh, brought up and uh, we'll probably cover a little bit is that you know, there's going to be different perspectives on work-life balance you know, depending on oh, what career path you've gone down. And uh, those tracks are going to um, bring a lot of different variables. So uh, I'd love to hear your questions about this. And I, I'm probably going to start and um, Mike's going to d- um, 
wonder why you asked me to do this, but I'm going to tell you, I don't believe in work-life balance. I don't believe that it exists. Um, and, um, and it's just because of what I just said. There's so many different variables, and it's subjective of what you think um, work-life balance is. Uh, I believe in looking for a quality of life um, that you want. How can your career help uh, you obtain that quality of life or sustain it and, and going forward? And because um, really, work is a part of our life. You look at how often, how long you stay at work compared to um, with your family, right? Those people that you work with are going to influence what you do in life. So looking at finding companies that can help you um, obtain and sustain the quality of life is what I look at. And I'd like to actually open that up um, just to start and hear everybody else's views of what work-life balance is so we can have a level set and um, have a better conversation. Okay, cool. So this thing, okay. Um, so for me, I, while I agree with you, um, I also disagree at the same time. <laughs> um, to me, uh, yes, work is a part of life, right? You, you're, it's it's going to be there in some way, shape, or form, no matter what you do, whether you decide to freelance, whether you decide to live in a tiny home in the middle of nowhere, I'm sure you have to like do some sort of work, right? Like tend to your fields or, you know, I don't know, whatever you decide to do for work. Um, and for me, I, I've been in situations before where, um, you know, the work wasn't enriching my life. Work was taking over my life. Work in the traditional sense, right? Like an office job. Um, things were bleeding in. I was expected to respond right away at, you know, crazy hours at night or on a holiday, you know, Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Eve, like times where you should be with your family. And so um, I do think that there's a balance that needs to be struck. And I think that, um, you know, it's up to you to set those boundaries. And um, from what I've learned in my life, it's like you, it's, it's really hard to do that early on in your career. Um, and as you get older, you start to kind of find the, the, the edges of where things need to, where things are okay brushing up against and where they kind of need to um, change and flip and, and where, you, where you can be flexible and where you need to be pretty strict. So. Um, yeah, no, I think that's great. Nuance. I totally disagree with Kevin. <laughs> um, I think that's a fallacy. That's an American fallacy um, that that there is no work-life balance, and that you know, I, listen. There's a lie that we've all been told growing up, which is do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, right? <laughs> and and it's it's that bullshit that feeds what you're talking about, right? And. And this is my this is my point, right? My, my, what I'm saying is, don't don't worry about doing what you love, right? Do what you're good at and finance what you love. Amen. Right. And so I think that's the difference. Is you know a lot of people try to find passion in in work, and I don't think that's the only answer, right? And and I think that's anyone who's looking for work-life balance. Um, isn't probably doing their number one most passionate thing. I, I think it's probably a credit to you, Kevin, that you feel that way. It probably means you have an awesome job and love what you do. And I don't think that's bad, right? But I think people that are interested in that, not everyone gets that opportunity, right? Not everyone is able to wake up every single day and just be like, man, I love what I do, right? And I can't wait to get into work. And I think even then, it, you're probably feeding me a line if it's literally every day, right? Like everyone <laughs> everyone wants to phone it in every once in a while, right? So anyways, that's that's how I look at it, but good, good, good way to start it off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear from you, apparently. No, I just want to say that just so I can say disagree. But, um, you know, I think what you guys are saying is um, a lot about what I've been thinking about um, lately, which is um, you got to find the reason why you're doing things. Like, why is it that you want to be in this field? And maybe even take work out of the whole picture. Why, why are you doing what you're doing after work? Like, what is your motivation? And, um, why that I feel is an important piece of this is because, like you said, I, I, I had a great mentor who said, um, I, I live to work, I, I work to live, I don't live to work. And um, this mentor, she was awesome, and she would always be off doing these amazing things in life, 
climbing these different mountains and going camping and all these different things, that she was also really good at her job. And um, that was a really important for me for me to learn that at a time in my life because I had just come off of this situation where I was working um, nonstop. I was working you know, 80 hour weeks and just trying to get established and build. And um, that resonated hugely with me. So I guess the invitation for the group is, what is your motivation? And if, it, if it's if it's for me, I've got I've got five kids. I've got a wife and five kids. And for, first and foremost for me is my my father, my dad. And um, but I want to enjoy my work. I want to get up, and be excited, to be there because I know that if I'm excelling there, I'm going to excel in being a dad because I can home and that. So. That is very similar to what I think. So, um, I feel like I've had a bunch of different experiences with like work-life balances when it's good and when it's not. And really what it came down to is, kind of like you said, deciding in my life what was the most important. Oh, is it not working? Is it working? Wow, listen to that. It is a whole new world, this is magic. Um, so, um, when I have like a clear understanding of what I really need. So there was one time where I was working at this company. Um, this was when I was actually doing industrial design. So I was designing jewelry and I did, was not happy. And I'm like, I am going home and doing other creative projects because I'm not getting this creative itch, like satisfied at work, which is weird because I was in a design field making stuff. Um, so like from that, I realized, okay, in my work, I need to be able to do this type of creative practice, right? So for me, my life wasn't in balance because I wasn't getting something that I really craved. So it's so important, I think, to kind of step back and to recognize in your life, what do you need to feel in balance? It's different for every single person. And so I think if you take the time to recognize what it takes for your balance, then you can actually create that. Perfect. So I'm going to ask one more um, question, then we're going to kind of turn it out to the audience, see if they have other questions for you. But when we uh, talk about work-life um, balance and you're trying to find those balances, who's responsible for that work-life balance? Is it you or is it your employer? Uh, I feel very strongly that it is you. Um, I think working for a good company that takes care of its employees and that your values align with the company's values, like that's something to look for when you are interviewing and, and you know, employers are interviewing you, but you are very much also interviewing employers. And like if your values align, then there shouldn't be a, a difference in, you know, oh, this is how I see my work-life balance and this is how you see my work-life balance. Um, I again, this is something I've learned over time, is, is setting those boundaries for myself and being like, no, I have to leave at a certain time, or you know, I have to go and I have to go do, to this doctor's appointment, and yeah, there's a conflict, but you know, this is my life and this is more important. Um, and so it took a while to gain the confidence to say that and to be able to communicate that to a, a leader, a manager, um, but ultimately, you know, I think you set your own boundaries, and, and um, I, I think if you respect your boundaries, I think other people will learn to also respect those boundaries that you set for yourself. Yeah, I think if you're looking for the company to do that for you, you're not going to find it. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think like what Alex said, is there, there, it's a two-way street, right? And um, I, don't, I also don't think you'll be successful just setting those boundaries and not communicating those to your manager or having an expectation of your company to honor them, right? So um, I, I think it definitely starts with you, um, but there are companies, and, and more importantly, it's not even companies, there are managers that are gonna be better at, at doing that with you than other managers. If you work for a crappy manager, it doesn't matter, right? That manager is gonna suck and you're gonna have a bad time, right? Um, <laughs> But if you have a good manager, you, chances are that's going to be a good conversation and you, you know, you're both going to get along and you're both going to have a great relationship and you'll find that balance. I just want to add too, because you said that point about communication is so true and something that I have found really helpful with a lot of my managers is setting expectations really early on or resetting expectations and re-evaluating re what those expectations are. Um, and those conversations tend to be if, uh, if you have a good manager, <laughs> they tend to be 
welcomed with open arms. Right. You know, your one-on-ones are there, and your manager wants you to come to them with concerns or issues um, so that they can help you. And so I've always been able to, again, set expectations early on with a manager or reset expectations depending on life things happening like I just had a, a baby not just had I had a baby like eight months ago so I had just to had. reset expectations you know I had to say hey I have to work from home a couple of days I have you know I have to, I'm the one that has to be home by a certain time to relieve you know our child care provider like we have to kind of work together to find something that works and so I think resetting those expectations and having a good communication with your managers is definitely key perfect so I just want to add that we as the, if you're working in an environment where either you're the employee, you have a whole lot more weight in this than you realize. And that, um, and sometimes like for me, I, I tend to think I don't want to come across as like not a team player and I don't want to come across as somebody that's not going to be there for the team. And I think all of us are going through those things when you say I've got to do this, right? Or I've got this family thing. And um, I think, I think the first part in what you're, you guys are saying, it's, it's okay to say those things. It's okay um, where it doesn't become okay is if it, that becomes uh, an exception to the rule. If this is like all the time, then you gotta put yourself in the, in the shoes of the employer and it's like, hey, Jason's out like every Tuesday at two o'clock, what's going on, you know? Um, that's where I think it gets a little shady, but um, my, my, my mantra in all of this is like, if I'm gonna be applying to a place, um, first and foremost, I look for a terminology of working with people and not working for people. Uh-huh. And that, that's a small word change, but it, it means the world and how you're treated as um, an equal in, in the uh, organization. And it comes out of this very topic itself. When you're working with somebody, um, it's not unrealistic to, to be like, hey, I've got this thing going on, I've got my kid just got stitches I got to step out to get him to the whatever um, and so it just changes the dynamics a lot and I think um, so again you have a lot of weight in this in that when you're interviewing and, and um, talking about those things with your manager like it's okay to bring those things up it's okay to say that I've got this because in reality they do too like they have the exact same battle going on they, they want to have an awesome life they may be jealous that it's snowing outside and their buddy's up on the mountain, right? Like, and so um, they're, they're in that same boat. And so um, I think picking up on that, interviewing at the same time is, is great. Yeah, um, communication. I feel like that has been like one of the biggest things to have the, the work-life balance that I've wanted. Um, I've asked for things that weren't part of policy and they generally work out and I get what I want and everyone's fine and happy and I get my work done and I get to go do, oh, my throat. I get to go do what I want also, so that's great and that leaves me feeling more inspired and I can create better, so it really benefits everyone. And then also like even at work, kind of like the projects that you wanna work on and how much time you think needs to be kind of allocated to those different things, I think can also be part of work-life balance. So like um, at one job that I worked at, I was like, I feel like I'm not having enough time to explore in this area and to kind of do like in the research that I feel is needed, talk to my boss about that, said, hey, I need to designate like this much time to this and then I'll still work on this other stuff and get it done like efficiently. Communicating not only what you need to do like outside of work, but even at work to get the balance that you need. Because throughout your life, there's gonna be different things that need balance. What? Just make sure you deliver after that conversation. Yes, yes. There's nothing worse than having that conversation and then the person sucks. Okay, yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Like, thanks, I bent over backwards as your manager and you're terrible. <laughs> Can I add just one more thing? Just the foundation of this topic as a whole is really interesting at the time in which we live. Like a lot of the nine to five and the Monday through Friday is very, I mean, we all live that right now, but those patterns were set up during the industrial revolutionary, right? Like your typical eight hour shift actually came around um, when Henry Ford was getting people to come to his factory. During that time, people were doing like 10-hour shifts. That was the norm. And Saturdays were required. 
and there were a lot of business reasons why he did it was because um, he figured out that if he got an eight-hour shift in, you could have his factory run at three shifts continually. He never had to shut down his factory. Now you go to the people and say, hey, you don't have to work 10 hours for me. You can work eight hours, plus I'll give you a lot more money to be here. Then he's getting people coming in. The point in all of this is that those models and the we're working today, you're starting to see that break down a little bit because of the digital revolution that we're in. We're, we're now possessing skills that you don't have to be in a factory. You don't have to be there putting the machine together. You can be at your home or you can be you know, in a cabin that's got Wi-Fi and, and doing your work. And so I think that's what's really interesting is now these, so going back to Henry Ford, that was a tactic for him to get people to work for him. Uh -huh. And so you see the same thing happening today where people are saying, hey, you can work remotely or you, you can do this or you can do that because of your digital um, setup. And so you're seeing people ask for that setup more and more. Perfect. So I, I would like to open up to the audience now and see if you guys have any questions. Yes, here in the back. So, so for those on video, we're asking if there's any tips or tricks um, of how to enhance quality of life. So I want to make sure you have that correct. Yeah, how to manage, work life. manage your work life. Like, so you can actually over and exceed your boss's expectations without sacrificing your quality of life. Perfect. So one skill that I would encourage everyone to brush up on <laughs> is project management skills and not relying on a PM or a project manager to do it for you. Um, pick up on project management skills, ask questions in meetings, try to get as much as you can. I'm, I'm a designer, so I, I think with this kind of like creative hat on where I'm like, okay, you're telling me you need this. It's really vague and fuzzy. I don't have the time to go figure it out. I need to do as much as I can to like really iron everything out. Um, and with time, you'll get more and more realistic about how long it's going to take you to do something because at first you're like I can do that in an hour and then it's eight o'clock at night nine o'clock at night and you're like oh my god why am I still here why am I doing this why did I do this to myself and it's true it's like I did it to myself I told them that it would take me an hour and it's clearly taking me four <laughs> so you start to learn to be realistic about your time and I think that's another good point is be realistic about your time and be okay with being realistic about your time to other people and telling other people, no, this is something that's going to take four hours. I can't do this today. Or this is going to take me two weeks. A month timeline is crazy. Um, and I, I don't think anyone's going to think lesser of you. I think it's better if you can realistically set those timelines, scope out your own work, and, and work with your PM or your project manager, whoever is kind of like setting the tone for the project. Um, don't, yeah, don't leave that on, on other people. So that's one thing is, you know, get yourself like Notion, Asana, my, my plug for Asana, like Asana, Asana. Um, like get yourself organized so that you can map out your day, plan out your day, look at your calendar. You know, I like to block out chunks in my calendar. Um, you know, working at a big company, people are really greedy with time. They're like, I want you for a meeting and I want you for a meeting here and I want you for a meeting here. And then eight hours goes by and you've been in meetings all day and you're like, oh, now I have to sit down and design at like four o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. I, I can't, I can't do that anymore. So I have very strict like, like big blocks of time that I'm like, it says like, do not schedule, ask before scheduling. Um, and usually people respect that and they'll, you know, send me a Slack and say, hey, I know you have a block. Like, is it okay if I, if I take a 30 minute window? It's the only time that was available. And I'll, you know, sometimes if I'm being nice, I'll be like, fine, I guess. <laughs> um, so that, and then um, I have like, internet, social media, ADHD, so Pomodoro techniques. Yes. Set a timer, do 30 minutes of work, 25 minutes of work, take a five minute break and kind of run through cycles of that because my brain starts wandering. So that's my, my fun design tip. I love that part. Like that works really well, I think for me also. Um, one other little thing, for that I've seen is like, I can't be too perfectionistic right off the bat. Like I just need to get something out like, 
okay, this is what I'm shooting for, this is what I'm imagining, kind of run it by people earlier on um, really quick before getting too much into the nitty gritty. So kind of also understanding yourself and how you work. I love the little details, so I can't let myself get too into the details before the time comes. So recognize how you work and, and figure out ways to kind of make sure you don't get in the, yes, the rabbit holes of your mind. Right, um, just to add to that, I think is um, just setting boundaries, um, and that's with your home and also with your work, right? Like, as I mentioned, I've got five kids and I'm married, and um, when, when it's time for me to be home, I'm at home, right? Like, I put my phone away, and if there's emails that come in, unless it's really, really urgent, I have, like, a boundary set up my work. If it's really, really urgent, give me a call, and I'll address it. Other than that, I don't even look at my email or even text or even Slack, right? Like, I just set boundaries, and that's a lot of what you're talking about. And that's a skill that I learned really early on, especially, um, especially as, you're, as, um, as you mature into your career, there's an interesting thing that happens in that you become an expert at it because you're really passionate about it. Well, what happens is when you get into these, these organizations, they need experts to help them make good decisions. And so what happens, you get pulled into all these meetings, and all, all of a sudden you're talking in all these meetings about the directions they should be going, and your strategic planning around those areas which is great. But then you start realizing, like, hey, I just got to get out of this meeting so we can go do what I've been talking about doing. And so um, that's where I think that your point is making is really important, is that be really good with a calendar saying, this is my time to work. If it's not urgent, then let's talk about it on Wednesday when we have a standing meeting, right? Also, when you start managing people, too, that's a really good thing. If you have, like, one-on-one -on -one times that are set up, like, set up a one-on-one -on -one time with people um, that's going to happen at a regular affordance. Every Tuesday at 9 o'clock, this is your time for me, you and me to chat. We'll talk about whatever you want to do. And um, the reason why that's powerful is it, it gives those people a chance to come talk to you when they need to, and they're not coming to you repeatedly throughout the week, right, unless it's really urgent. Um, and that just carves out time for you. So um, a really good book, a really good thought leader in this area is Dave Crenshaw. Um, I forget the name of his book, but uh, he's got a book called Dave Crenshaw. It's about managing your time. It's a really short one. But he talks about how to use a calendar effectively um, down to just the day and blocking out time for email and work time and, and planning that, your day out. Why are you trying to over-deliver? Unpack that word for me. What, what does that mean? If you're over-delivering, you under-planned, <laughs> right? Like, like, it seems like there's something wrong there, right? Like, I mean, that was the question. What are my tips and tricks for over-delivering? Don't ever get in a situation where you have to over-deliver. Just maintain a situation where you just deliver, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm just saying, like, it sounds like, going back to what Alex was saying about, pro about project management, about managing that, it sounds like you're already in a situation where you're having to play catch up or you're having to do something to rectify something else you've done, right? right. So, or haven't done, right? Or you're in a mode where you want to do that. And I think that's also realistic, right? I mean, Kim Scott in Radical Candor talks about rock stars and superstars, right? The rock star wants stability. They're awesome. That's what they do. And they're very steady. They're not looking for promotion. They're not looking to overachieve necessarily. They're looking for consistent delivery, right? The superstar is absolutely looking for promotion. They want upward trajectory, period. These are both sound trajectory models that all of us go through all the time, right? Um, you can you can pick different phases of life. You know, we've talked about when you're first starting out in a career, um, you're probably going to be more of a superstar. You're trying to establish yourself. You're trying to establish credibility. You're trying to establish skill. And you're willing to put in that time to over-deliver in that situation in order to get that stuff, right? As you get more experienced, as you, get, as you become more of a thought leader and more of an expert uh, in your particular field, you don't necessarily have to do that anymore. Now you go into side things. Now you have kids. Now you want to write a book. Now you go do whatever, right? You're going to train to climb Mount Everest. Whatever it is, right? You can become that rock star now, right? You're reliable. You're looking for stability. You're looking for a good job. You still want to be awesome, right? You're not necessarily freaking out about the upward trajectory. Right. And before I take the next question, just to add on to that, um, for those who work in an agile environment, agile is supposed to be a contract between you and your employer. 
that you're going to get this much work done. Don't go beyond that, right? Because you're actually hurting your team. And, and don't worry about if you miss at that time, because you're going to get better at your planning like uh, Trey is uh, talking about, right? And uh, Alex mentioned um, project management. It's really important to understand Agile is there to protect you. And it, but in the same sense, you have to be good at project management and, and get better along the way as you do that. Do you have any other questions inside the audience out here? Yes. Uh, so I, I'm working as a freelancer. I just graduated QVU, but I've been working like a year and a half, and it's just been like a hustle. Like last fall, I had like two clients and a contract, a company I've been contracted for like a year, and then like this whole last semester, I had ten tasks on my timer app every day, ten things on my plate, and I was just like. How do you like? I, I've I've done like reading stuff like on Medium or whatever on like like you're talking about setting boundaries, you know, separate space like uh, like other things I've seen is oh sorry um, like I've worked from home right so like you should have a designated space and just how my house is set up or it's like a weird little house <laughs> uh, it's it's my desk that I also play at because I'm a gamer right so I I use my laptop for work. And I have my PC for fun. And I do all these weird little things to just separate it. You know, even using like a different mouse or whatever. Um, and like I try to eliminate distractions. But how do you get out of the hustle? Like, because I'm probably going to like realistically, you, you kind of have to freelance for a while. Like a lot of places, you got to have three years or they don't care. Um, maybe that's not always true. But like, if I'm going to be doing, like, I'm moving next week to Colorado into like a, a real house to rent and so I'll have my own office so that's going to help but like other than those kind of things how do I just get out of this hustle and just clock in clock out and be done I, I think school being done it helps a ton that's like a big ball and chain that's like gone so for, for the video, the question is, how do we get out of that hustle and bustle of, um, of, of um, separating um, your work life and your uh, regular life when you're working from home? How, they, as a freelancer. As a freelancer. So uh, it, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is it kind of like an hourly thing? Like, do you think, oh, yeah, do you think you're just spending too much, or do you think you're spending too many hours of your day working? Like, no, is that? It's just been, I'm, I'm in like total burnout phase right burnout. now. Burnout, okay. It's like, <laughs> I don't have time to, like, luckily my wife is yeah. getting a salary position, so it's, I'm not the breadwinner mm -hmm. right now. <laughs> but, like, so it's just, like, I don't know, like, I don't have enough time to dedicate to work is the problem because of all this moving and all that stuff. Got it, okay. When I do, it's like, I just want to get six hours a day so I can get paid and like make a living. And how do I get back to that kind of, it's just a weird problem so, I realize. But so like, like a is it like you're trying to find focus? No, I, I, I've got like, I, I don't have any notifications. Yeah. Like I don't have Facebook on my phone. Like I, it's just more of, I guess maybe it's finding focus. Finding focus. Like how to just make it so it's just, because like, I've already set boundaries with my employer, mm -hmm. like with one of them at least. The other one, sometimes I'm answering a text at 10 o'clock at night because that's what I've been doing the last year, you know? Mm -hmm. like. So I'm going to share a story with you real quick. Um, I, when I, I, I lived in New York for about five years. I felt like I was in the New York rat race. I was like, I'm going to move to California. I'm going to move to San Francisco. I'm going to freelance. I'm going to do yoga on Friday afternoons and take Fridays off and, you know, walk my dog all the time and go for coffee and walks. And I had this, like, very dreamy California uh, dream that I thought was going to happen. I had a contract position with my employer in New York. So I, I was working East Coast hours from about 7.30 in the morning to about 3, 2.33 in the afternoon. And I also had contract uh, freelance work because I was like, what if my contract position is up? I'm not going to have money to live and feed myself and I'm going to be broke and the most expensive, I, of course, I moved to the most expensive city in the United States to freelance. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I also had a million things going on. So I had my my contract gig that was pretty much full-time Monday through Thursday again because I thought I was gonna take Fridays off and not work on Fridays that did not happen um, 
and I had a lot of distractions because even during the day when I was supposed to be full time on my contract gig, I was hustling. I was yeah. trying to find my next thing and, you know, trying to make sure I had money coming in and uh, my brain was scattered and I ended up working from 7.30 in the morning until like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night and I, I didn't know when to unplug and stop working and I, you know, had an office and, you know, all the things that they tell you to do. Um, and so I think like my only advice is, um, or at least what worked for me was learning to turn things down like something has to give, right? Like in a, in a 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 at night work day, like that's not sustainable for very long. Like you hit a burnout phase where you're yeah, like, I'm like tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. My under eye bags are like down to here. Um, you know, you feel frazzled all the time. Your weekends, you're, you know, I, I'd get like the Sunday scaries and I'd start, you know, working on Sunday afternoon to try to like, offset what Monday was gonna feel like and so I I was bad at saying no because I was afraid of not having money and so I, what I'm telling you or what I'm what suggesting is is if you can afford to say no to something whether it's like a hobby and for work if that's what's gonna make you happy or a project that maybe like isn't worth it um, try to maybe prioritize the projects that you do have and say these two are really important and they're going to give me great portfolio pieces and I find a lot of value in them. I'm going to have to let some of this other stuff go. Like try to start pruning your ta your to-dos and into a more realistic work schedule because yeah, you're 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 going to constantly be running up against this like I don't have any I don't have any time. How am I supposed to juggle all of this stuff? Yeah. So can I just yeah. add to yeah. that? Yeah. So um, when, in your situation, and for those who are freelancing, the, the big advice I could give you is you got to look at it as a real business, right? Like think about it. A real business has operation hours, and they're very clear about when they are, right? Like if I'm going to go to Home Depot at 11, it's not open 24 hours, is it? No. no. All right. <laughs> Scratch that of a bad example. Let's Only say Home 11. Depot closes at 10, right? And they post that on their door. They post it on their website all over the place. And that's great for them because um, it creates the urgency within that business hour. Now, what's tricky is freelancers, sometimes you're afraid to do that because you think, if I do that, then I'm going to lose the bid or I'm going to lose the work or I'm going to sour the relationship. My experience, the opposite is, is true. And that you can say, you know what, um, I do, and be clear with your, with your clients, I do business through these days, Monday through Friday. Um, you can reach me through these, these uh, communication channels. Outside of that, um, you can leave a message and I'll get back with you in the next day. I'm open for business. And um, that's how you curate great clients. Now, there are still going to be jerks who try to take advantage of you, but you still, like Home Depot, can say, I'm not selling any fertilizer right now, man. So, um, so you just look at yourself as a, real, a legitimate business and um, you'll, you'll find that that um, will give you the rest that you need and um, it will be healthy for you. Great. So you actually mentioned something I'd like to um, talk about and um, ask you guys about is um, burnout. So uh, Trey beforehand gave me this card and uh, I'm going to read off of it. It says, the World Health Organization has added uh, work burnout to its International Classification of Disease Handbook. How do you guys deal with burnout today? Because we all get it. So I think there's three things you need to do with burnout. Um, the first is perspective, right? Like that's probably the very first thing. And um, I have a story about this. So in, in my early 30s, um, I don't even know if I was burned out necessarily. I was probably just normally stressed. Um, There's a funeral. There's a, a, I went to this funeral with my wife and a 19 year old kid in my neighborhood died. It's like some horrible accident. It was awful. Uh, some car accident, he was like alone, got impaled by something, it was terrible. So I go to this viewing, and it's one of those viewings that's in a church, and you're sort of like weaving in and out all the rooms and the hallways and stuff. And um, it's, you know, it's just me, and, and I'm standing there with my wife, and you're, you're quiet, and you just have to like stand there and be miserable. And uh, as I'm walking through, there's these pictures of this kid all throughout his life, right? And I tell this to, to almost every employee that I have, every every 
person I manage, because um, everybody struggles with this. And I just said, look, as I'm walking through this line, it was like a, it was like a Wednesday or something, right? Like the middle of the work week, and I'm walking through this line. And I'm looking at all these pictures, and it's like, you know, the kid was like into wrestling in high school. So there's like a picture of him with like a singlet on, like wrestling. There's like that funny picture of the fish he caught with his dad or whatever, right? Listen, I'm just trying to liven it up, guys. I mean, come on. Um, so as I'm looking at that, I, I realize like this is, you know, what are my pictures going to be? Right. Right. Like this is something we're all going to deal with. All of us will die. Right. And what will your pictures be? And here's the thing, it's not gonna be the stupid PowerPoint presentation you've been working on for the last week, <laughs> right? Like, it, it's not. And like, that's what I realized. I was like, wait a minute, like everything I care about right now that I am obsessed with means nothing, right? And, and so I always do this exercise with people where I'm like, what do you, think about what you did, what you were doing two years ago. What was the biggest project you were doing in 2017? Think about that right now. Do you give two shits about that product right now? No, you don't. Right? So perspective is important. If you're burning out, like you have to get this perspective and realize like, wait a second, why am I doing this? Yep. Right? Like, why am I doing this to myself? Was it poor planning? Am I not charging enough? You know, like, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to think about it, but I think perspective is the first one. The second one is what we've already talked about, which is organization, right? You got to get organized. You know what I mean? If you're not controlling your hours, if you're not controlling your time, if you're just staying as long as you want, like there's a lot of people that are pleasers, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you're a pleaser and you have a hard time saying no, you gotta get a handle on that, man. Like you can't go through life just saying yes to everybody, right? And and that's gonna burn you out quick, right? Like I, another story, sorry, I'm gonna dominate you guys, but I have another story that, uh, uh, there's a great guy that I worked with very early in my career. Um, when I was first a manager, I worked with these analysts. And there's this one guy named Dave who was an awesome analyst, like the best. And the problem is he never self-regulated himself. So he would always take on things, right? And then what would happen is I'm always like, man, that guy Dave's awesome. He's the best. You can just give him anything, right? And so I'd load him up and then Dave would like wig out one day, right? Like, like about every other month, Dave would just like have a complete meltdown, right? And just like end up screaming at somebody at work or whatever. I'm like, whoa, whoa, Dave, what's going on? You know, and I have to like take him aside and have a big HR conversation with him. Um, but I realized that it's because he doesn't self-regulate. And so he would sort of take on more and more and more projects. And then he would just sort of crumble under it, right? And like the dumbest thing would set him off. And so I had to start proactively asking him as, as his manager and say, now, are you just saying yes to this project because you're excited and you're a cool guy and you like doing that? or do you actually have time to do this, right? And once I positioned it in a different way, he would say, you know what, I, I don't have time to do this. I would love to do it, but I don't. And so that's the second thing is learn how to organize. The third thing is communication, right? So again, we've talked about this a little bit. There are, there are probably two really important people you need to communicate. The first is if you have one, a significant other, if not, best friend, right? Those are the people that are gonna pull you out of a self-destructive cycle, no matter what it is. And I think that's what the World Health Organization is saying is, this is a self-destructive cycle. It is a legitimate mental health issue, right? And like anything, like addiction or anything else, you're not gonna be able to do this on your own, chances are, right? So talk to a, a BFF or a significant other. The, the other person you need to talk to is your manager, right? Um, if your manager sucks, quit your job, right? Like, like that's just the only answer to that, right? Like you're not, I can say this all I want, like try to manage your manager, and I, I say it all the time to people I manage, like please manage me. Um, but if your manager sucks, you need to get out of that, yep. right? And, and find the confidence to get out of that and, and find a manager that's good. But uh, it needs to be communication with that manager and say, look, I'm burnt out. And it doesn't have to be work-related, right? I'm building a house. God knows how many divorces that causes. Um, you know, I, I, whatever. I'm having a baby. I have a child with special needs. Like, whatever it is, right? Like, real life happens, right? And you need to have that conversation. So those are the three things I would look at. The first is find perspective in yourself and, and inner peace and whatever that is. But have that perspective. This is a job, man. Like, seriously, there's a billion of them, you know? And there, people change their jobs all the time. Right, and so don't get sucked into this loyalty trap. Right, um, it's a job, and maybe it means you're ready to change, or maybe it just means you need to just relax and realize it's just a job. Um, it's there to pay the bills. The other question I ask everybody that I think every one of you should ask is, would you be doing this? Would you be coming into this place, doing this job every single day if you were independently wealthy? If I took your paycheck you're making right now and I said, I'm gonna double it, I'm gonna pay you that for the rest of your life, would you come into work every day? 
Most people would not. Weirdos say yes, right? So, it, it, and, and I'm not, I'm joking, but it is, if you do love your job, great, that's awesome. But chances are you probably wouldn't be going in nine to five every day or doing the work for the clients every day if you already had all the money. Right. Right? So that's another perspective trick, right? Like it's, so get perspective, get organized, right? Like figure that out. Asana is great. Notion is awesome. I'm addicted to both of those right now and I'm not even a designer, right? So um, I love that stuff. So I would say get, get organized, draw those boundaries we're talking about. And then the, the third thing is communicate. Perfect. And just to add to that, before we take another question, is um, there is something said to me a couple weeks ago. We were back in Boston having a large um, meeting, and our VP um, just put his hand on my shoulder and said, we fucked up things larger than this. <laughs> right? So just breathe. It's going to be OK. Do we have any other questions? Take another one. So I had a hard time hearing that one at the end there. So when people come to the office, they want to make that mark, whether the rock stars, the newcomer, whatever. They come in early, always first in, last out. You always see them there. What's your actual view of that person? Do you see them? Don't so the, be so a question, hero. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, so the question for those on the video so you can hear, um, what do you do with the um, people or what are the views of the panel of the person who comes in early and stays um, late? And we're going to start with Raquel this time because she hasn't said much. So, um, I don't really judge it that much. I've been the person that comes in early, stayed late. I've been the person that leaves early. I've been all the people. Um, so, I don't know. I just think, well, maybe they have a project they're working on that they really need to get done, and they just want to, they feel like that's what they need to do. I don't know, so I guess I don't have much of a thing to say about that. Like, that's for them to decide. And, yeah. <laughs> so for me personally, I, um, I think we were talking about his FaceTime, right? And for me personally, I don't, I don't care any, any of that. Um, both the people that I've managed in the past and also for those who are managing me. And it goes back to that working with people and not working for people. Um, the, when I've had those opportunities to bring people onto a team, um, I try to communicate the vision and the thing that we're trying to accomplish as a group and what we're trying to do as a whole and hopefully that they see that as exciting and that's what they want to be a part of. If I've done my job there, then I don't have to motivate them to do what they feel like they need to do to be part of that. If they want to come in, stay late, great. But as far as like that tactic to get like promoted or whatever for for uh, FaceTime, it just it doesn't fly for me. Just because I I believe in um, again just working together. If and I I also feel like um, again me personally like there's so much that happens in life outside of the four walls of work. Like there are so many things to see and do and experience. And um, me personally, I. I have a bit of FOMO in that. Like I, I again, I, um, I work to live. I don't live to work, and I'd expect that same thing from from my my manager, as well as those who are maybe I'm managing, and um, hopefully there's an environment for that, and everybody feels that. So, when when you're you've got a kid that's in soccer, then you want to get out of there to go see that. Awesome, go do that. Um, hit it hard when we're here, and let's let's make awesome stuff happen when we're together. But then go and like live your life. Go do the awesome stuff outside of here. And, and what I found that when people live that way, the next day when they come in, they are so ready to hit it hard again the next day. And, um, and that, that's all I could ask for the team that I want to work with and that may be working with me. I, I would add that if the optics matter that much at whatever company you're working at, the culture is probably not great. Um, I worked at a company that people kind of would eyeball people who left at 5.30, 6 o'clock after they've been there since 8, 8.30. And it was just kind of this like weird anxiety, like weird tension felt across the office, like, ooh, that person's leaving. Um, 
And it's, it just doesn't feel good. It's, you know, then you end up being like, what, do I have to just stay here and pretend to look busy until six just because like I can't get up and leave my desk? So I don't know. I, I don't think that, uh, I, I think trust, you know, in a workplace environment is huge and trusting your employees to get there at the time that they get there and work and do the work that they need to do and deliver, right? To constantly deliver. Um, you can leave at whatever, get there at whatever time you need to, leave at whatever time you need to. I think your work is what really speaks and should speak for itself. You could also take this as, it's possible that the person that's staying late, they do feel a little bit overwhelmed. Um, that could be an opportunity for you to go kind of check in and to be a good team member and kind of lift that up to say, hey, do you need help? Do you need someone to run this by? Are you, like, are you at a block right now? So, like, maybe be aware of maybe who's staying late, um, but don't put them on a pedestal because, wow, they're staying so late. It's, it's not worth it. Right. I have a counter answer to all of this, <laughs> shockingly. Uh, I would say I notice. I would notice. I, I do notice. If people are always there early and stay late, I notice for sure. Um, I think what a lot of the comments have been is, is does that sort of perform some magic trick when it comes to your trajectory at that company? Um, I, my answer would be it depends. Uh, again, what Alex said, I think if you're working in a culture that lives that way, guaranteed you stayed till 9 p.m. in New York because that's what everybody did, right? So, yeah, so it's like, I, I mean, I don't know, how, has anyone ever worked in Japan? I, I went to Japan uh, a couple times at a company that I worked at and I noticed that everyone in that office was there till like nine o'clock every night. And I remember talking to, I remember talking to somebody, I was like, holy shit, these people are here like all night, like all the time. And I was like, what are they working on? They're like, nothing, they're not doing anything. They're scared to go home and be the first person to go home. And so they all stay here all night. So look, yeah, you can get a really messed up culture that way where you're not necessarily doing anything. You're just too scared to be the guy that leave, or gal that leaves early or whatever. Um, so kind of two part answer. I notice it, I don't think it provides any kind of magic fairy dust to you all of a sudden. And like, I'll tell you how it goes. Like it goes, I think Alex nailed it with the ingredients. It's, it's just, I notice it, but again, if you don't have if you're not producing to match with it, uh -huh. I, don't, I don't care, right? So I think about people that have done that. Like as, as everyone was talking, I was thinking like, who, who have I worked with? And there was a girl on my team that easily did that um, at my last job. And I always described her, I was like, she's just a baller PM, like she's awesome. And it's not because she was there early or late, right? she did have a life and she did take time off and she did build a house and you know, but, but she was, she, she delivered, right? And there were a lot of times where she was there late and there were a lot of times when she would just work and that's, it was more just because how much she cared about doing a good job and how much she wanted to, to make things happen. Um, so anyways, that's more of a nuanced answer maybe, but I, I think that it just depends, right? Like I think it's, it's probably savvy if you notice you're in a company that notices that kind of stuff, right? And you want to play that game, that's fine, right? I, I, I don't, again, if that's how you get ahead, great. I don't think it's universal and I don't think it's a, a magic elixir to get you a promotion. Right. So you guys have all mentioned culture um, throughout this. And earlier on we were asking who, who has the responsibility um, for work-life balance. How much of that culture plays into work-life balance, and, um, and, and, and along with that, you know, what are some good examples of a toxic culture versus a, uh, a good culture that promotes work-life balance? Um, yes. So um, I think the culture does definitely impact the work-life balance that you're able to achieve. Um, like we were saying, so you were talking about Japan, how people weren't leaving till later. Um, yes, I've worked places like that where it's like, okay, no one has left yet, this feels awkward, I'm leaving. And like kind of people sometimes look at you as you like walk out, it's like, bye. <laughs> and it feels weird. But, um, so I do think it's definitely important to, like kind of like what we were talking about earlier, figure out what kind of hours you want, interview the companies to see if um, they have the kind of culture that you are wanting. 
Um, so that's an important thing. I, I think that's a good thing, especially for those in school right now, is that it's just as important to go interview the company that you want to work for as much as it is for them to interview you. So just to add to that, the, um, <clears throat> so I, it's, I see interviewing kind of like speed dating, right? Where it's like, it's a chance for you to get a feel of who they are and a feel, they get a feel who you are. And I mean, obviously by the time you hit an interview, they've already looked at your portfolio, they've already looked at your past, so they've already got past all that information about you. They just want to see if you jive, right? You jive with the culture and um, your, how you fit in with the team. And so um, take that a cue for you too. Like if you feel really uncomfortable in that interview, that good chance that if you took that job, you'd feel that way every day. And for me, like I just wouldn't thrive in that. And so, um, so when it comes to like work-life balance, like it's okay to ask those questions in the interview. Be like, hey, tell me um, what it's like around here at 5:30, and and you know what? Ask those questions. Like, is it is it okay? Like, I've got family things that happen, and and um, most likely the person you're interviewing with is going to be your manager. And mm -hmm. so, it's great to get what they think about that stuff right out of the bat. Because then you then you set yourself up to know that if this is going to be an ongoing battle or not, and if it is, then think really hard about taking that position. So, in those um, when you talk about culture, though, what's an example of a good culture and a bad culture? Yeah. So again, for for me, um, I try to find an environment where I just feel natural and I feel like um, I could be at home, I could be with friends and buddies, um, and. Um, Everybody's culture is different, right? Some people love the rigid, like, set up, um, clear the fine lines. Um, some people like it more relaxed. It just, it comes down to how you um, approach life, I think. And so if you're able to find an, an organization, a culture that is set that way up that matches how you feel about things, you're going to exceed a lot more. Um, so, yeah, that's that, me personally when I'm looking for a place to, to work, that's um, an important piece for me. Um, for me, I think it goes back to trust and finding a place that treats you like an adult, you know, like not have to be like, oh, like, can I please like take 30 minutes to go? You no, know, um, I having a, a manager and leadership and coworkers that trust you to do the work, that trust you to do it, whether you're visiting family on the other side of the country, or if you're working from home because your kid is sick, or you're ex waiting for a package, I don't know, whatever. Um, having that, that, like asking questions that poke at the trust <laughs> in a culture, I think that's been helpful because I've tried to ask the work-life balance-esque type questions, and it's kind of hard to suss out in an interview, to be totally honest. I've been fooled, and I've been, you know, three months in, like, what the fuck did I just walk into? What? Why am I here till 9 o'clock at night? Why are they calling me on Christmas? Like, I don't want to talk to you on Christmas. Don't talk to me. Um, and so I think those questions can be hard to ask and I don't have any off the top of my head right now but you kind of have to like reverse brain ninja your way into figuring out like you know how how do you actually work um I like to ask a lot of like how do you how do you stay organized questions <laughs> like how does your team work what what tools do you use to stay organized because for me if it's a hot mess and there's no organization you just like you're flying by the seat of your pants, that is a recipe for staying late and and weekend work and you know, poor project management to me is like a snowball effect that just like uh -huh. keeps going and going. So like they aim aim at questions at like project management, at like trust, at, and you know, kinda like weasel your way around these work life balance questions. You might have to think about it a little bit beforehand. Um, and that might tell you kind of like the the culture that a company has more so than like, do you have work-life balance? Because I guarantee you, if a PM is in front of their boss, they're gonna be like, it's great. Yeah. I'm dying inside, you know, <laughs> like that, that's real. And I, I've been in interviews like that. And I, I as, a, in, as like an employee where like my teammates like, it's great. And I'm like, you're a liar. You are a liar, you're a dirty liar. Um, and I've been on the other side where, you know, I ask these questions and I feel duped afterwards where, where I, I, I found myself in a bad position, so. Yeah. So your, your question was, 
what is an example of, or what's the difference between a good How, how much does culture, culture? Um, actually contribute to work-life balance and some examples of a, a good culture versus a toxic culture? Okay. I think, I think most people know toxic culture when they see it. We all right? live it, right? Right. Um, so I think there's, there's been some good advice here. I, I, I want to come in. I think the follow-up question that all of you should have are like, how do I, how do I carefully and gracefully ask about work-life balance without sounding like a slacker, yeah. right? Because it's like, what, what's your work-life balance like? Because yeah. Red Dead Redemption's going to come out, and I'm not coming to work, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I think you want to be careful with that kind of approach. Um, so I'll build off of maybe what both Alex and, and Trevor said. Um, you, you definitely, um, I think you can ask about process, right? So each, each field that we talked about, design, product management, and development, right? So there is a design process. And I think you want to ask, what is your design process? That's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. Um, and, and get the manager talking about that. And then here's the trick. In each one of these, what is your product process? What's your design process? Or, or what is your development process? And each one of these, you can do this little Jedi mind trick, right? And this is going to help you figure this out. What you're going to do is you're going to say, did anyone go to the Jeff Patton uh, thing? that Jeff Patton just came through. He wrote a book called, um, uh, it, was, it was about uh, product management. It was a product management book. Um, anyways, Jeff Patton, he t talks about this. And he says, what you want to say is, do you focus on output or outcome in that process? Whether it's a design process, whether it's a development process, or a product process. You want to say that thing. What do you focus on? Output or outcome? Now, most of the time, they're going to say outcome. Because output makes them sound like a-holes, right? <laughs> so they're going to say outcome. So here's your follow-up Jedi mind trick to figure out if they really know what they're talking about. And if they really measure that, as you say, how do you measure that? and make them talk about their success metrics and make them talk about what they're looking for in particular by outcome. That's going to start giving you an indication on whether or not that culture actually cares about what you're actually producing. Because if they do care about what you're actually producing, they will probably understand that you being balanced, that you being rested, that you coming in at the top of your game is going to absolutely increase their outcome. And it has nothing to do with the output, right? So. When interviewing somebody, you want to look for somebody like this. I wrote this quote down because it's awesome. Um, does anyone know who Tinker Hatfield is? Mm -hmm. Tinker Hatfield designed the Air Jordan, right? If you haven't seen the series Abstract on Netflix, watch it because it's awesome. Tinker has this great quote. And uh, I use it all the time, with, even with PMs. So anyone in, you should all be creative no matter what you're doing, whether you're a developer or not. We're all solving problems in the end, right? And that requires creativity. He says, when you sit down to design something, it can be anything, a car, a toaster, a house, a tall building, or a shoe. What you draw or what you design is really a culmination of everything that you've seen and done in your life previous to that point. That's, that's the type of manager you want to work, work for, someone who gets that, someone who understands that your time outside of work is actually just as important as your time in work, and that sometimes sending you home or telling you to go decompress is in, is in their best interest, right? So figuring out what that type of person is, and, and a lot of that is gonna come from just understanding them, right? A lot yeah. of that is the speed dating thing, where you're just trying to find like what motivates them, right? Uh, I hired a, a head of UX, and the only reason he said he ever worked for me is because I mentioned Iron Giant in, in the interview. And he just said, look, you know who Brad Bird is, who directed Iron Giant, and you, you love that movie, I wanna work for you. That's it, that's all I needed to hear. So, but I think, I think that's sort of what you wanna look for. Great. So I think, yeah, I think we have time for just one last question. So we'll take this right back here. Um, so you're talking a lot about, you know, culture and what to look for and everything else like that and how it fits into work-life balance. But what about the bells and whistles that are thrown, the foosball tables, the sabbaticals, the, you know, are those really kind of big switches? It's all bullshit. Okay. Yeah. It's a veneer. <laughs> I, th I think it is. I mean, it's easy to say that, right? But I, I think, look, if, if you're working at a place because they have an awesome foosball table, you really should reconsider your decision-making process, right? Yeah. But that's the thing is that's, that's the, the facing, like every job posting sure. you have, it's always listed under benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, look, part of that is, and in, in, in I've, I've definitely been a part of that culture, right? Um, working at as, as an executive in a startup, we had to do that, right? Mostly because you did have people who were looking at it and going, well, 
either way, I'm riding Ruby on rails. So uh, I can either work for this place that has beer Fridays and an awesome foosball table and a ping pong table, or I can go to this other place where I'm a drone in a cubicle farm and it sucks, right? So I think there is an aspect of that. I think that has nothing, perks have nothing to do with work-life balance. That's my big soapbox moment. Um, don't ever confuse a no PTO policy as somehow magically contributing to your work-life balance, right? Because I would argue, frankly, if that's an issue for you, you wanna go to a place that does have a PTO policy that's protected by law, right? As opposed to a place that has no PTO policy that now it's up to your own terrible sense of guilt and everything else that's gotten you into this burnout in the first place to try and take time off, right? Like that's a bad recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I right. worked at I worked at places that have like really nice stuff and the most beautiful offices you could imagine, dream of, Eames chairs, all this, and it was terrible. So I don't judge a book by its cover. Again, I'm gonna go back to what's your motivator, right? Like, if you want to find an awesome place that has the best foosball table in the world, and scout them out right but if it's like if I want to grow if I want to become awesome in my field look for that look for that at the place and if they don't have a foosball table great because you're not gonna want to have it there you're, you're gonna get what you're really looking for and so that's I guess for me the ending all, all this is really have an honest open heart to heart with yourself about what is your motivator in life what do you really want out of your career what do you want to out outside of your career? And let that be a, a guide for you. And if it gets off balance, sometimes it's easy. Like it's easy to forget why I took this job in the first place. And if you start losing sight of that, and you get the burnout and you get the then you then you just get to this point where you're like, I gotta refocus on what I really want next. And that's a good cue for you to say, what do I want next? And am I gonna get it here? If not, I gotta move on. I gotta go find that new foosball table. <laughs> no more? All right, well, I'm gonna turn it back over to Mike. Um, I really appreciate everybody coming out here. Uh, this is a topic that you should keep thinking about, um, but I'll turn it over to Mike, and if you have any questions, I think we're all available afterwards to um, talk. So there's one thing that really frustrates me about these Q&A panels, and that's there is never enough time to like keep this energy going. And so uh, first and foremost, I just want to stress that we, we do encourage in these smaller QAs, and obviously in the bigger you know, product type events, get to know these individuals. And I would encourage them the same, get to know this community, because this has been an energized, fun discussion. There's a lot of passion. And there's a lot of you know, opinion that comes out of these Q&A panels. So let's give everyone a round of applause. That was fantastic. A big thanks to our panelists, Kevin Ernst, Trevor Dow, Raquel Isel, Alex Klein, and Trey Wallace. And again to Dev Mountain for hosting the event. If you learned some things from this discussion, be sure to share it with your team or share it on Twitter and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support product hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for product hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon and we'll see you at one of our next events. We're <music> going